In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It is great to be with you this day. I feel very honored to be included and invited to uh, be a part of this Anglican Formation and, and Mission Day here at Asbury. Uh, thank you to the administration and to those who uh, risked uh, putting an Anglican in your pulpit. Uh, uh, our text that we just heard uh, read, I'd like to read it again, at least starting with verse 19. Uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now I have to confess, um, I've really been wrestling about what to, to, to speak to you about. Actually, I was going to speak about something else with this text. Uh, but I felt like the Lord was saying he wanted me to speak to you all about what I'm going to say this morning. But I kept arguing with him because I, I'm saying, Lord, these are men and women studying for ministry. They know this. So here goes. <laughs> this ancient and yet important text from the scriptures has been taught since Jesus said it after he rose from the dead. However, there seems to be, at least in America, too many biblically faithful Christians that have a little urgency about this text. The word evangelism scares a lot of folks off, even though it's simply the Greek word for gospel or, or good news. But it carries a lot of baggage, doesn't it? Years ago, Michael Green, the great Anglican theologian, gave a talk about the biblical motives for evangelism. Why does Scripture tell us to share our faith? Why does Scripture tell us to share our faith? Why should you be willing and have an urgency to share your faith in Jesus? And so this morning I would like to ask you to, as students to consider why we should be sharing our faith. Number one, we should share our faith in Jesus because of the need of others. Because of the need of others. Matthew 9, verse 36, Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Just look around. Listen to the news. Walk out on the streets of any city. Work out at the local gym. Eat out at a restaurant. The needs are overwhelming. It's incredible what's around us, and yet we seem to be blind to it. In a wonderful description of the human condition, Ernest Hemingway recounts the story of a father and his teenage son who were having problems. Their relationship became broken and strained until one day the son actually runs away. His father, however, began a journey to find his estranged son. And desperately, finally, one day in Madrid, he puts an ad in the newspaper that said, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. The next day at noon in front of the newspaper office, 800 guys named Paco showed up. 
The brokenness around us in our world is so great. People are suffering, lonely, wounded, miserable, self-medicating, and desperate for answers. We must tell of them the good news of Jesus and the forgiveness and healing that we're finding in Jesus ourselves. Secondly, we should share Jesus with others because of our love for them. Because of our love for them. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, the apostle writes, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. I suspect that your home congregation is a loving church, or that your small group Bible study is is a loving group. But it's not enough to love each other. We must love those who are not yet part of the church, and are those who are lost and the broken ones out there whom Jesus died for. We reach out so that others can be drawn into a relationship with us and by doing so, into a relationship with God. I remember as a youth pastor meeting a young man who could care less about God. And so I showed up at his cross-country meet one day. I just showed up. Just showing up changed that young man's life. He couldn't believe that I cared so much about him that I'd come to his cross-country meet. He engaged the gospel. He eventually gave his life to Christ. And now he's a pastor in the ministry. Who do you know in your life who seems so far from God that you're tempted to dismiss them? You say, there's no point in sharing Christ with them. They're not interested. There's no point in even praying for them anymore. Who in your life is in that place? Everyone is just one step from the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you and your experience, but when I've been a jerk and God is just about to break through, just about to move me to repentance, I don't look like I'm about to repent. But all it takes is one step. But God does this wondrous work and at a moment He he turns me. Don't ever write someone off as uninterested in the things of God. Don't decide for someone else that they don't want to hear the gospel of Christ, so I don't need to waste my time talking to them about it. Pour out your heart in prayer for them. And the Lord will bring you to see them and love them as He does. We share Jesus because we love Him. The third thing, we should share Jesus with others because of the command of Jesus because of the command of Jesus. Our gospel reading of the Great Commission contains Jesus' final words to his followers, and therefore they're of greatest importance. Go and make disciples. Or literally, as you go. It's not something you go do, you, you do it as you go. It's a glorious thing to be saved by the cross and by our Lord Jesus Christ. But please understand me when I say it's not enough to be saved. We have been entrusted with the gospel so that we can share it. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And then Paul adds the kicker. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. If you know the love and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, then you have been entrusted 
with the incomparable treasure of the gospel. You're a steward of the message of salvation. And just as one day we will be called to account before God how we handled our money, so one day we will be called to account how we've handled the gospel. Did we hoard it? Did we hide it away thinking it was ours to keep? Or did we share it? Did we introduce our friends to our friend, Jesus Christ? Freely you have received, Jesus said. Freely give. Share the good news. Nothing is more important than this command. If for no other reason than that Jesus told you to do it, do it. A fourth thing. We should share Jesus with others because of the sheer joy of telling them. Because of the sheer joy of telling them. 1 John 1, beginning with verse 2. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our experience of Jesus should bubble up out of us. So many of us walk down, walk around like, well, never mind. <laughs> the former Archbishop of Canterbury, George Carey, tells that in a church near Cambridge, there's a plaque with these words. To the glory of God and in memory of Reverend so-and-so, rector, who ministered faithfully for 38 years in this parish without the slightest trace of enthusiasm. Of course, if you know your church history, that means something else. But, <laughs> but our joy should be contagious. Sharing Jesus with others should be just something that flows out of us because of our joy. And if you've ever had the privilege of leading someone to faith in Christ, you know the joy that that is. We share Jesus for the sheer joy of it. A fifth thing. We should share Jesus with others because of the love of Christ in us because of the love of Christ in us. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. His love compels us. I don't know if many of you all remember Dennis the Menace. But in a Dennis the Menace cartoon, Dennis and Tommy is stopped by the Wilsons and Mrs. Wilson gives, giving them each a cookie. And as they walk away, waving happily, Dennis explains to Tommy, Mrs. Wilson gives you a cookie because she's nice, not because you're nice. <laughs> While we are still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. We can be forgiven, not because we're good, but because He is good. Perhaps you've seen the movie about William Wilberforce and the fight to end slavery in Great Britain. It's called Amazing Grace, and it includes the story of John Newton, who, if you know his story, was a slave trader, eventually came to faith, wrote the, the hymn that we all sing called Amazing Grace. He's quite elderly in the movie, but, it, but in the movie, Newton says to William, to William Wilberforce, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things that I am a great sinner, and that Christ is a great Savior. Jesus is a Savior who loves us so much that He took our sin upon Himself that we might have new life in Him. And what a privilege to share that. 
Tim Keller puts it this way when he said, here's the gospel. You're more sinful than you ever dared to believe, and you're more loved than you ever dared to hope. One of our bishops in the Anglican Church, Bishop John Guernsey, says this, we share Jesus not from a place of smugness or superiority, but from a place of profound humility. We are broken people touched by the undeserved grace of God. We share Jesus not because we are good, but because Jesus is, and His love compels us. A sixth thing, we should share Jesus with others because God is depending on us. Because God is depending on us. 2 Corinthians 5.19, God is entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. God has no plan B for spreading the good news. You and I are it. We think, surely God isn't depending on me to tell my neighbor, my coworker, my friend. Brothers and sisters, we are His hands and feet. We are His mouthpiece and arms of love. We are His body here on earth. If not us, who then? The seventh thing. We share Jesus with others because it's impossible to be quiet. I know some can be obnoxious with that, but... (laughs) Remember in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, Peter and John have been arrested, and uh, they're commanded not to speak and teach in the name of Jesus, and Peter and John replied, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. When you've experienced Jesus Christ and His radical love, you can't help speaking about it and talking about it. A Mercedes-Benz commercial a few years ago back showed their car colliding with a concrete wall during a safety test. Someone then asked the company spokesman why they didn't enforce their patent on this Mercedes-Benz energy absorption of the body, of the car body, a design which evidently was being copied by other companies. And the Mercedes-Benz spokesman replied matter-of-factly, because some things in life are too important not to share. That's how it should be with us in the gospel. Number eight. I can't believe I'm giving you a 10-point sermon. This is number eight. (laughs) Number eight. We should share Jesus with others because it helps us grow in our knowledge of Christ. Because it helps us grow in our knowledge of Christ. Philemon, verse 6. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Believe it or not, failing to share your faith stunts your spiritual life. You will not come into maturity in the full knowledge of Christ if you're not actively sharing the Jesus that you know. Sharing our faith not only has an impact on others, it has an impact on you. And those of you who do that know what I'm talking about. Number nine, we should share Jesus because so much is at stake. So much is at stake. In Acts 26, chapter 26, verse 17 We have these words, I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn 
from their darkness to light and the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So much is at stake. People's eternity is at stake. People's lives are at stake. We know lots of people who are hardworking, smart, nice, sincere, academically elite, but they're lost. They don't know where they're going. There's a story about Albert Einstein. I don't know if it's true, the great physicist, that once he was traveling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle to uh, get the tickets. He was punching the tickets. And so when he came to Einstein, Einstein reached into his vest pocket. He, he couldn't find his ticket, so he reached in his other pockets, and it wasn't there. But he kept looking, and he's looking in his briefcase trying to find it, and then he looked in the seat beside him. He just couldn't find it, and the conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Einstein nodded appreciatively. The conductor continued down the aisle punching tickets, and he was ready to move to the next car, and he turned around, and he saw the great physicist down on his hands and knees looking under the seat for his ticket. So the conductor rushes back, and he says, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. I know who you are. Einstein looked at him and said, young man, I too know who I am. What I do not know is where I'm going. <laughs> Can y'all just picture that? I mean, just <laughs> brilliant, man. We share Jesus with a world that does not know where it's going. We share Jesus because coming to know him means life for all eternity. It means to know where you're going. By his death and resurrection, Jesus has taken upon himself the sin of the world and he offers forgiveness to all who will put their trust in him. We know that, but will we share it? We share Jesus because there's so much at stake. A certain businessman attended a Billy Graham crusade and he found the Lord. So the next Sunday he goes to a nearby church. After the service, he walked up to one of the leading lay leaders of this church, a man whom he'd known in business for years, and he said, I was at the Billy Graham meeting last week at the ballpark. I went forward and I received Christ. Well, this man said, I'm delighted to hear it. And then the businessman said, how long have you and I been associated in business? About 20 years, I think. Have you known Christ your Savior all this time, the businessman said? Why, yes, I have. Well, I don't remember you ever speaking to me about Christ during those years, the man said. I've thought highly of you. In fact, I've thought so highly of you that I felt that if anyone could be as fine a man as you and not be a Christian, then I didn't have to be a Christian either. Brothers and sisters, so much is at stake. Lastly this morning... We should share our faith because this is why He has given us the Holy Spirit. This is why He's given us the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And yes, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Yes, the Holy Spirit is the helper and the advocate and the counselor and all these other things that we emphasize in the modern world about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon our lives, it's not for us and meeting our personal needs. It's that we might bear witness to Jesus out in the world, to people who so desperately need him. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to say, let's go. Let's get on with it. Let's go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that Jesus taught us. If not us, who? If not you, I want to say why. Why are you here? In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen.